0: And I could look at the prostitute. I could look at what we call the dope boy as a drug dealer. I could look at and see them as an the image bearer of God, and not some just some statistic or some African American thug in the neighborhood. Like, no, this is a human being.
1: And good morning or good evening to you, whenever you are listening to this. Thank you so much for. Uh, Choosing the Run the Race Podcast. This is episode number 41. And if you'd like to listen to any of their previous ones, you can go to WTVM.com slash podcast. And you know something you can really do to help me out is make sure to subscribe to it. You can go to uh, Stitcher, Google Play, the popular ones like Spotify and Apple Podcast, and subscribe to it and write a review there at the bottom of, of the page as well. Give us a five-star review, and we'd love to hear from you your feedback and as we continue to do this and, and talk about so all kinds of things when it comes to fitness and faith, and we have some great guests we've already had and some great ones coming up talking about uh, issues related to being spiritually and physically and emotionally better as people, which we, we need that today, you know? And uh, our guest this week is, uh, as a man uh, that, that I've uh, met recently or really gotten to know a little bit over the last few years, Baron Elias Claif. He's a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's how he first introduces himself. But we're going to talk to him. Uh, He's a community activist and... And He is an author. We're going to talk about his book. We're going to talk about race relations and unrest in America today, what Christians can do about that, uh, evangelism and being a dad of three daughters. And He also uh, was uh, someone who was almost aborted by his mom, talks about abortion. You talk, we talk about violence and prayer walks and all kinds of things. He really provides some very unique insight that, uh, that, that I can't provide because he comes from a, a totally different perspective. Uh, in fact, um, I you don't want to hear me sing or me rap, but I wanted to give you kind of a little bit of taste of uh, Elias Claif's uh, kind of former life, or he still does some music nowadays, but this is a throwback video he recently posted uh, of a song that he and another young lady did called Narrow-Minded. Take a listen.
0: I'm on the road to straight, and it's difficult, it's new holy principles, no subliminal.
1: Kind of catchy. You know, he's uh, much more talented than I am. And uh, when he described himself, he said he's an urban missionary and author. And so I I got to think, you know, what is an urban missionary? And um, I I looked it up and uh, somebody, uh, an author named Sharona Sledge, she asked the same question. And for her uh, standpoint, she says it's someone who learned the gospel and then brings it to the hood. And that's what uh, Elias Claif is talking about today. Uh, she said in her description, she said, We care less about church traditions and ceremonies, more about relationships. We admire the Jesus that sat and ate with sinners and the socially despised. We see the Jesus that invested in people and loved them to repentance instead of using God's word to abuse them. So uh, that's something we can all learn to do. You know, I've been on about uh, eight or nine mission trips overseas to places like Haiti and Africa and Jamaica. And Mexico, and and building different things and outreach trips like to to Israel and and to. Uh, different parts of Africa. And, uh, you know, we, we also can use outreach right here in our neck of the woods. You know, wherever you live, I'm here in Georgia and Alabama area, wherever you are, there's inner cities and places that, that need help, uh, poor people, people that are really hurting and suffering. And uh, our guest for this uh, 41st episode of the Run the Race podcast talks about that. Uh, Elias Kleif. uh he is, again, a, a husband and a father to three daughters, he calls himself an urban leader and speaker, and, and he's the author of, of a new book called Good Morning Joy. And that's morning spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Good Morning Joy, a practical theology of joy for the everyday sufferer. He uh, has been a lay leader for All Nations Church. Uh, where he uses gifts of evangelism in the streets as well as the founder and director of an organization, a movement uh, called Block Huggers. Uh, his passion, he says, is to see disciples being made from neighborhood to nations, from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity for the glory of God. So here's my conversation with Mr. Claif. All right, we have uh, Baron Elias Claif known as Elias, joining us now on the podcast. Thanks so much for stopping by. Oh, thank you for having me, bro. I Appreciate it very much. Um, well, we want to get to know you a little bit better. We're going to talk about your organization, uh, Block Huggers, and talking about you know just evangelism and growing in Christ and uh, and uh, different things you do uh, to help combat violence. And I know you've recently written a book. We're going to talk about that. But first, you know, I want to talk about. Um, you know, it's obviously serious issues going on in the world today, uh, race relations and unrest. And we've got this uh, election coming up in about a month. So, you know, from your perspective, um, you know, here in Columbus, Georgia, where we live, you know, what is what's your take on everything going on now? And, and as you as you're seeing it from your perspective and and, and issues of, of race going on.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been real crazy, real crazy. But this is nothing new. You know, just I think in God's sovereignty, he's allowing hearts to be exposed. And so, yeah, just it's been crazy, man. Um, You know, I live in, in the inner city, South Columbus. So there's a lot of tension between the community and the police. So just trying to be a peacemaker out there, man. So. Yeah, it's been good.
1: And now you're from Brooklyn, so I mean, yeah. you're. I mean, you're, are you? Did you kind of grow up in, in in rough areas, or you're used to like? Is is that something that that you feel a passion for?
0: I think. Well, it was in Brooklyn, but it wasn't. It wasn't a rough, rough neighborhood. Um, I, I would say probably where I live now is rougher um South Columbus you know my father died in 89 and then we moved here my mom had an, un- an uncle for Benning. we didn't know no Columbus <laughs> so we moved here and uh she moved her four sons and then uh, we moved here in South Columbus been
1: here ever since wow yeah what what you know, what would you say because i know you come from a, like a, from a faith perspective mm-hmm. and um want to be compassion but also from a you know activism perspective so what would you, you know f- for christians who look at this issue kind of stand back and say this racial unrest and this, like you said, the, the confrontations between police and African-Americans. What can Christians do to kind of help stand in the gap there? Yeah, yeah. I think it's first, man, listen.
0: Um, you know, the Bible talks about in James to be slow to speak, uh, quick to listen, and um, and just, you know, compassion. Compassion goes a long way and being amongst the people. You look at the life of Jesus. And so people ask me a lot of times, you know, what is this idea of block huggers, right? And so I, t- I take the scripture when uh, Jesus and John talks about that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, I don't really use in the, the the message Bible, but the message Bible says he moved into the neighborhood. And so it's just being amongst the the, the broken, the hurting, and uh, just really just trying to bring division. I mean, cl- cl- uh, clear up the division by him being with the people that... Um, you will not, long like, sometimes won't be with.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Do you think that, you know, I mean, what can we learn from, like, specifically the New Testament what, and Jesus' life, his mm. 33 years on earth? What can we learn from what he did, maybe where what we can do in these situations today? Mm.
0: So, perfect example. We all know the, as I say in my context, the beef, the hostility. Word for beef is hostility. So, you look at, um, I'm reminded in John chapter 4 when Jesus um goes specifically to samaria he says you know i I, basically this is an appointed time and he's talking to the woman at the well and i can't steal credit for this because i heard this from uh dr tony evans in uh memphis tennessee i was at a conference and he he broke down that text and he's basically like well we tried to accomplish over 400 years of racism and uh, jesus accomplished in four hours he said he put his jewish lips on a samaritan cup (laughs) and so it's just basically being with people and and inviting people into your home one of the great weapons and platforms for the gospel is um, hospitality so invite people that if you are african-american invite whites in your house if you got tension with latinos invite latinos in your house and and that's all it boils down to of it was crazy i'm gonna share this little quick story I was at My Favorite Muffin the other day, and I was um, reading a book I was reading, and this 65-year-old man, we'll say his name, and uh, he wasn't from here. He was actually from Buffalo, New York, too, and, and he was reading this book, and uh, he got up, and I said, what, what you was reading? He told me the title and stuff, and long story short, it turned out to two hours. This man was, uh, was uh, agnostic. And he didn't, he didn't know if God exists. Or he, was, he was a wealthy man. He, 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 he just felt like he blew it. Like he, he sold some property. He felt like and his whole idea was, man, I ruined my life because I felt like I made a wrong decision. 65-year-old man talking to a 40-year-old man. And I'm just dropping wisdom from God, you know, sharing with him. And he's blown away about the gospel. And that's what it takes. You have this inner city kid old guy old man now (laughs) 41 years old and talking to a 65 year old man who's a wealthy man who our our um social um standards is totally different you know i would be considered lower class he would be upper class but yet he didn't he didn't call me a slow slur word he didn't call me but x y and z and we sat down and i had to actually go and pick up my kids that day like he didn't want to stop talking (laughs) <laughs> and he was just like, he just wanted to hear more, hear more. I was just talking about purpose and, and destiny and, and Christ and repentance and forgiveness. And, and he was blown away. He'd never heard the gospel. Wow. And he's just like, he wanted to hear more. So, yeah, man, I think that's what it takes is eating eating meals with people, inviting people into your home, inviting, especially with all this um, social distancing. I think we should do that at times, but man, people are hurting, man, and they need, they need um nearness as best as we can yeah you know, so yeah man
1: absolutely yeah well i think that's great advice and kind of getting out of your comfort zone i mean mm-hmm. cuz we have our group of people and a lot of times you know um churches can be the most segregated as well mm. so you have your group of friends and people that you hang out with and and maybe, you know, you haven't um, crossed those racial lines before, and, and, and we need we need to, you know, do that more often. Well, Elias, I wanted to get to know you a little bit, uh, like I told you before, off uh, mic. We do a fast four, so I wanted to uh, kind of uh, throw some rapid-fire questions at you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, first question is, what is your current job description um, at work and also at home?
0: So just full-time dad, um, also a full-time author, um, and I do uh, – part-time chapel service at our kid's school. Um, just do a bunch of community work in my neighborhood. I'm an itinerant speaker. I go speaking and teaching on evangelism and discipleship, um, how to raise up disciples in an urban context. And, uh, yeah, full-time husband, wife, 17 years, and uh, three kids, and, and try to be a father to the fatherless in our community. Um, just uh, And I work alongside sometimes with a uh, good brother of mine. He also does, like... Um, reading programs and stuff in, in the neighborhood and teaching uh work ethic and stuff like that so teaming up with him to try to bring change systemic change in south columbus
1: that's very good cool yeah. change change is needed you know we gotta we gotta do that and and um also uh do you have a certain like uh spiritual motto or something that inspires you maybe could it be a favorite verse um i it was
0: i remember a couple of years ago i was at my old church and um they was really putting me into leadership and uh and i was just like i was really considering it and you know and i prayed about it and just it was simple just it was lord help me to help your people help me to help your people as the lord is helping me sanctifying me growing me in christ i want to help his people to grow
1: as well that's very nice so yeah Wake up every morning and say that to yourself. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> um, and uh, we we talk on this podcast a lot about fitness as well. So, how do you typically on a maybe daily or weekly basis? How do you stay physically fit? Man, yeah. So
0: I'm not as fit as you. I see you, the man. When it comes uh, to, I don't it. know about that. I see all your pictures on Instagram. I was like, man, this man be getting it, boy. And so I don't know if you know about this. So, so our listeners were here. I was born with TGA, Transposition of the Great Artery, huh. and so. Right ventricle, left ventricle. When I was born, it was opposite direction. Really? And so, yeah, the, the, the doctor said that it was uh, probably due to my mom had chicken pox when, when she was uh, pregnant. And so it was a guarantee. I just shared this. I was at Seneca yesterday um, doing a prayer for, for the babies, you know, we was fighting against abortion the other day. I was up at Seneca, and uh, I shared my testimony of the doctor trying to tell my mom to abort me because it was a guarantee that I was going to come out with either blindness or some type of deformity because of her chicken pox. And so, and so yeah, I had, all my life I was fighting uh, with heart disease. I had open heart surgery a couple of months old. Um, 2016, 17 had open heart with, uh, two pacemakers back to back. Um, I, I'm a hundred percent living off my pacemaker. I can't live without a pacemaker. And so, um, matter of fact, the day I was exercising, I did like 35, um, minutes, um, dropped the kids off went exercising. And then, um, I was, I went to actually, I was going to the abortion clinic that morning to pray. I leaned against my car. I'm giving too much. It's in the book, <laughs> but, uh, against my car. My heart started giving out in the parking lot. And so, um, and I still, by God's grace, I walk. That's my exercise. I, don't, I ain't no buff guy lifting uh, 800 pounds, but I, I really think one of the most healthiest things is to exercise and walking. That's what I do. I walk about 30 to 40 minutes a day, about three, about three to four times a day, I a mean, uh, week. And so that's what I do, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. walking's just as good as running. It just takes a little longer, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. Like, you can stay in shape somehow. And one last thing, uh, what is something unique about uh, Elias Hmm.
0: I think I was, I was thinking about this when you asked me that in the, in the questions in the email the other day. I was just, um, half my heart is working. Yeah. Is, uh, so so people ask me, how am I doing with it? I say it's it's critical but stable, if that makes sense. And so the, la- the last uh, conversation really with my cardiologist was that there's nothing re- really else they can do for me. Um, I'm not eligible for a heart transplant. So, um, yeah, man, I got to just take, try to k- take care of my health as best as possible and trust in God. And, um, but, yeah, it's crazy how he sustains me every day um, and using my, my, my brokenness to serve the broken yeah it's like it shows off his power through my weakness and that's why good we're talking about the book good morning joy it's a paradox in second corinthians paul talks about um sorrowful but always rejoicing so this idea that especially in in, in our context right now where everybody is suffering in some type of level economically spiritually emotionally mentally um The world is looking for hope and joy. And and I think I make a difference in the book. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is contingent upon your circumstances changing. But I always challenge people about that. Like, what happens if your circumstances never change? And so the, the beautiful thing about the gospel is that when you are in Christ, despite your circumstances... Jesus gives you a joy that secedes your circumstance. Mm-hmm. And so back in 1617, when my heart was failing again, uh, one of the greatest joys I had, I remember was, in a, it was in, a, um, in, a, in a room with my doctor, my wife, and she told us, Mr. Clay, this is the last surgery that we can do, nothing else. I had this joy that I couldn't even explain, bro, because ultimately... My, our joy for the believer is to be in the presence of God, yeah, that if no matter if I have three more minutes on this earth or I have thirty more years, like the greatest joy is being in the presence of God,
1: yeah, and then that's a good attitude because yeah. I mean you could you know um just with the human emotion, you could just throw a pity party and then, and this time that I talk about it in the book, I'm very transparent in the book about struggles with anxiety and
0: depression and but how the more we just grow in the gospel bro it's like it it gives a joy that the world does not have like but the, the 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 cool thing about this when you look at suffering the same heart condition that comes to the believer comes to the unbeliever that's the thing so believers and unbelievers suffer alike the difference is we have a joy that the world does not know and so i'm arguing in the missy, uh, uh, mission type ways, like as we live on life on mission as believers, as we suffer, we should be bringing hope to the suffering. You know, we suffer, we have hope, and even if we die, we have hope because we go, we go to be with Christ. But the world's their suffering is temporary here, but if they don't know Christ. It's eternal suffering. Yeah. But we have the eternal, you know, forgiveness and hope. And so that's what the book is about. I give my testimony. And then pr- it's a, um, uh, a, th- a practical theology of joy for the everyday sufferer. So you may say, I don't have heart disease. It's not, just, it's not physical. You may suffer m- mental. We talk a lot about, you know, people talk about anxiety, depression. Some people talk about schizophrenia, all these different, you know, illnesses and stuff. I believe that even if you have all of that... Man, like the gospel can still give you joy in the midst of that, and I'm a, and I'm a um, firm ex, uh, example of that. Of man, there's days, you know, I use and think it's in chapter five when I talk about don't lose heart because there's times I want to throw in the towel, bro. If I'm honest, like I, I just wanted to give up There's days because my health, you know. But um, use your suffering as a platform to serve those who are suffering. I think a lot of times we live in this me society. Oh, I'm sick. Oh, I got this. Oh, I got that. And when God is trying to use your suffering to minister to those who are suffering, who don't know Christ. And even for the body, like I have a chapter in it called clicked up, mean when you're suffering, that's you should be in community. Don't suffer alone. So for those who are listening, when you're suffering, make sure you are connected to a local church because there's nothing like being isolated when you're suffering. I say uh, a Christian in isolation is the devil's lunch meat. Like that's when the, the, it's the, you know, the devil try to get you with all these thoughts and depression and anxiety and all these things. Um, so yeah, um, it's so beautiful to to really have Christ in this pandemic. I don't know how people can can make it without faith and hope in christ man if i didn't have christ with my heart disease now man in this pandemic all the pressure of anxiety and the, and, and, and even this times of suicidal thoughts and tendencies what's a hope man that's what i was telling that guy the other day the 65 year old man it's like what else is here he didn't did everything he spent all his he got to spend a lot of money did this and did that it's like now what
1: yeah exactly yeah you know That's awesome, yeah, because, I mean, we're only going to be here in this world for, give or take, 50 to 100 years, and then you have everlasting life, and it's really inspiring – you know all that you've gone through and continue to go through that you choose to speak life and to use mm. that suffering to to help others from suffering. And you are the uh, founder and director of Block Huggers. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell me about that the, the name and what you guys do. Uh, yeah. And is this a kind of a regular thing, or you kind of are reactive to things that are happening around the community? Yeah, I say
0: both. It's both. And so yeah, Block Huggers is, is an urban discipleship evangelism uh, ministry and movement. Uh, we do, we host Bible studies. We're doing Bible studies in our homes where we open up a home in my hood <laughs> and we invite people to come over. We'll go through a book of the Bible teaching discipleship. Um, also, we train up people for evangelism. Of course, everyone needs the gospel, but my heart, because I'm from the urban community. And one thing, me, bro, like growing up in the hood, I never seen um, Christians, like evangelical Bible Christians, um, you know. I'm not talking patriotic, you know, you know, evangelical. Ah, I'm talking about, like, biblical Christ and the Christians. You know what I did see, bro? I seen Jehovah's Witnesses. I seen Mormons. I seen a nation of Islam. But I never, growing up in the hood, like, I never seen somebody confront me with the love and the forgiveness of the gospel.
1: You think people uh, may be scared or intimidated by going to certain areas?
0: Probably so. But, you know, did. Th- th- I, I'm not that naive. Like I know there's believers everywhere. So there's some probably there's Christians in my community, but I think and I think like evangelism and sharing your faith is at an all-time low. Um, you know that's even proven uh, statistically. You know from Barnabas that more less people are sharing their faith. And so yeah. So we and now we with um, Black Huggers we're doing like publications, putting out books. Also doing gospel tracks. Coming up with gospel tracks where we, we are sharing the gospel in the heart language of the urban context. And so we use things like hip-hop, like language of hip-hop and stuff like that to, to speak to people in their context without compromising the gospel. Yeah. So we're doing that, trying to do that, put out more books, content. Um, and then also, too, a lot of times we do go to like um, like when there's shootings in the city, we'll go. And we we do prayer vigils, and um, you know we do uh, prayer walks, and all that stuff to try to push back the darkness in our city. We team up with other ministries. Um, and of course the local church, my local church and stuff like that. So
1: what kind of reaction do you usually get from folks? Like, especially like if you show, show up like at a crime scene or, mm. or show up in a neighborhood where maybe they're not used to seeing you know, evangelical Christians. What, what's the kind of the feedback you get?
0: Yeah, So I can speak for my, uh, my um, experience it's been it's been really good. Um, I remember we was in um, one of the projects um, and, and when we went we was out there sharing Christ, praying for people this this person came up to us was like man like we we never seen this before um this church is all in this community but people a lot of times don't come and take the time to sit on the porch with me like we'll sit down talk about jesus talk about you know struggles in 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 the world and and pray with them so there's a lot of good responses man um that's what i tell people a lot of people just said man how can you how can you, like, witness the gospel in those areas? I actually think it's harder to witness in the
1: suburbs. Where people maybe have, like, they, they don't want for something.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Even Jesus says that, you know, and it's about the rich man. It's easier to, uh, you know, harder to enter into the kingdom than um, Camel to the eyes of a needle. Mm-hmm. So it's like, not saying everyone needs the gospel, but, you know, what I feel the Lord is calling me to is to, and hopefully in the future, is to plant gospel-centered churches in the urban context as well. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, parachurch ministries are good, podcasts are good, books are good, but one I believe the number one thing that the Lord uses is His church to reach the world absolutely um and so, yeah, man, uh we need more people out there, we need more foot soldiers, and not just in the inner city, all of Columbus, Columbus you know has homicides from South Columbus to North Columbus to downtown to and so wherever you're at, I want to encourage the believers out there to share your faith, learn what the gospel is, you know, you know, see the beauty of the gospel for yourself. And that's one thing, too. People always ask, like, why do you why are you so passionate about the gospel? Because I think I recognize how much I need the gospel myself every day. Um, Tadashi, Christian rapper, a couple of years ago, he had a song called, you know, I Need a Daily. And he's talking about how the gospel doesn't just save the believer the gospel sustains the believer and so when i'm when i'm struggling with you know my sin or depression or anxiety i need to preach the gospel to myself first and so when i understand how much i've been forgiven that's why i could go in any hood in columbus any hood in chicago not because i'm so big bad wolf but because i know god has shed his grace on me and I could look at the prostitute. I could look at what we call the dope boy as a drug dealer. I could look at and see them as an the image bearer of God, and not some just some statistic or some African American thug in the neighborhood. Like, no, this is a human being made in the imago Dei, the image of God. And so, um, you know, that's that's how that's what gives me the passion. Is man, I need the gospel every day. So if I need the gospel every day, what about those who don't have the gospel? Yeah. Like, how can you sit, bro, in your house, comfortable, knowing that you have this treasure of the gospel, and yet people in your community, in your neighborhood, you don't even have to be down sa- South Columbus. It could be in your community. How can you sit and and just chase this American dream, bro? I think. But the Lord is doing something really dope. I think the Lord is—he's really using all these trials and tribulations to squeeze the church. To, to get back to biblical Christianity. Not this patriotic. I'm not saying nothing wrong with pay, being patriotic. But like true Christianity of of a faith. Not programs and just going to a Sunday service. But really out here having compassion. Man, these people don't care about, you know, whether you're right wing or left wing. Or they care about they're broken and they need some love and they need forgiveness. And they need to know the God who gives that.
1: Yeah. And I think the pandemic has maybe taught us that more than anything else, because, you know, it takes away all these things, it takes away being able to go to work, uh, mm. being able to go to church, mm-hmm. um, and all these other things, being able to hang out with your friends and, and even family in person. So it like in sports took mm. away that for months and wow, months. Yeah. So like, you know, you're stripped away of all these things and kind of what's left and like you said you know the gospel and i know you were talking about um your book earlier uh the title is good morning joy and it's a morning like m o u r n i n g yeah, yeah, uh practical theology of joy for the everyday sufferer so so when you when you use, use that as your title good morning joy morning being like um your morning over something that you've yeah, lost yeah. What, tell us about what the, what that means to you and and how that you use that uh, uh language in your book
0: and that's good that's a good question yeah so I think the first big major thing that I lost in my life was my father. Yeah. I was 10 years old, my father had a cardiac arrest. We was in New York. Um I grew up in a broken home. Um and so I didn't grow up in a Christian home and so that's that really at first I act like it didn't affect me. You know, I was I was actually relieved because there was a lot of drama in my home growing up, a lot of trauma and stuff. But then looking back, a lot of a lot of PTSD as a young man and trauma came back, surfaced, and so I lost my dad. Um, just you know, relationships. I lost a bunch of homies that I grew up with in in the streets to to violence. I lost. One. As a matter of fact, this year I just lost one of my best friends. He died in prison. We mm-hmm. went to Carver High School together. And so, when you have have this mourning, this loss, this pain, again, what's the hope? You know, many people turn to alcoholism pornography they turn to all these outlets but the greatest hope is that gospel man and just give it away but in my last chapter it's called goodbye morning and i get that from revelations 21 where jesus says there will be no more suffering no more tears no more death anymore like that's the greatest hope is that one day for the christian is that there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain anymore. And we're going to be in a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what the believer is looking forward to. We're looking, we're looking to a, a world, another kingdom that, that that is way better than this. And that saying that, let me say this, saying that doesn't erase the responsibility now that we're supposed to... Because some people will hear that and will be like, oh, so you're just waiting on the sweet by and by? Like, no. Actually, the more I have an eternal perspective about the coming kingdom the more I'm affected, uh, I'm being more effective in my community now. Because I know people, this is another thing from a Christian lens, people are not just dying physically, people are dying spiritually and eternally. Eternity. So a Christian, when I see a 25-year-old man dying in my community or somewhere in the hood, gun violence, maybe fighting over a baby mom or a relationship, what breaks my heart, bro, is to know that that person maybe die without Christ. Mm-hmm. That that should break your heart that he's in eternity separated from God, and so that should should drive us not just to meet the physical needs, the uh, financial needs for people, but ultimately meet the spiritual need in the gospel for people.
1: Yeah, and and, and we you know we talked earlier about how we're just about a little more than a month away. Oh, just about a month away now from the uh, presidential election and the election all over Georgia, Alabama, everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for you, you know, with the issues you talked about abortion earlier, we talked about, you know, police brutality and the relationship with the African American community, you know, do you kind of stay out of politics or do you kind of use this maybe as a as a way to kind of like talk about some of the the beefy issues. I mean, mm. those are those are big controversial issues. Like you said, talking earlier this week about you know um, you know the the lives of of unborn babies.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you – did you watch the um, the debate the other night? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It so, was it was
1: crazy. A lot of talking over each other. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was a lot of beef. A lot of, yeah,
0: a lot so, of beef. So man, uh, just to be honest. and you know, I'm not scared to talk about politics. Like I'm not either right or or left. You know, I'm so, saying like. I I stand for the truth. I stand. For, uh, I say a biblical worldview. And so, of course, you know, uh, we want to end abortion. And me growing up in the city, like you know, say mass incarceration. I see many young teenagers, you know, who are being thrown in juvenile for crazy years and stuff like that. So, I just man, yeah, it's it's important. Politics is important, but I don't put my hope. And even just the other night, man, I, I was I, I put it on my Facebook. I was like, man showing that these two leaders were broken sinners man like it should make us turn to christ man because we seen the other night bro it's like man lord help us <laughs> you know and in no shade to to you know trump the or on um, biden like you know the scriptures tell us to pray for our president our leaders um i don't hate them man i hope you know they they found their hope in christ but it's And I'm always challenging myself and and other people who are always talking about on a broader scale about politics. I'm like, bro, like I challenge people like, bro, what are you you doing in your community? Most people who talk politics and talk policies and this like that, like, you know, I'm not saying all people, but the people that it's like, man, what are they really doing in their own community? You know, especially for those who push back. um, they They would try to, I don't know if you're familiar with this term, like they'll say I'm like a woke, quote unquote. I'm doing quotes if you can't see now. But like a woke Christian. <laughs> yeah. What that basically means is like, I stand, of course, ultimately for the gospel, but for social um, social issues like mass incarceration, you know, um, abortion and stuff like that. But it's like, nah, the, those though the gospel has power and implications to end those things as well. For sex trafficking, we need to end that. Like all these issues the gospel speaks to because when you look at the 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 human is not just precious in the womb the human is precious outside of the womb most of the kids and guys that I work with is um they come from broken homes bro they don't have no guidance and so I would rather take that kid out and give him to me and let me mentor him let me teach him what biblical manhood is let me teach him how what does it look like to manage your money
1: so you're so you're saying that uh the bible and the Gospel can help us stay woke, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so true wokeness
0: first is being resurrected spiritually. there you, you go know, being born again, John three three Jesus says, unless you're born again, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. and so but after you're born again, you are born again, believe in Christ, you're also woke to the conscious reality of this systemic issues going on in our in our country, um especially in the inner cities, man. Um, so I believe the gospel can um you know talk, speak to those and uh, are we fighting for a a topia? No, we know that this world it is passing away but it doesn't still um, it should not neglect the fact that we bring in the kingdom to people here in a sense you know showing them a, a snapshot of heaven here
1: yeah what are you going to do in your short time here on earth yeah. i mean it's like a like a you know in a in a blink in a flash and and you were talking earlier about how you know you go walking three or four times a week mm-hmm. for 30 or 40 minutes and trying to stay in shape and and i see on your um on your social media your facebook page sometimes when you're walking you'll record a video and uh, talking to just about just different issues and faith and grace and and uh and and joy. um so what what is that um is that an important way to kind of get the word out uh through like social media videos and while you're out walking kind of making it a productive way to kind of um share something off your heart yeah yeah i think yeah i think it's encouragement you know
0: Encourage people, um, especially I look at it like, especially going to the faith, um, the uh, fitness aspect is like, if I can walk with a transposition of great arteries, you can get your hiney off the couch too. You know, <laughs> so it's like encouraging, but hopefully convicting people. You know, it's yeah. like, man, I have heart condition. Like this, this heart condition is not going to ultimately define me. I'm gonna do what I can and to try to stay as healthy as possible, man. Because I have even with my heart disease, man, I have. Times I get fluid, you know how you see people with fluid in their ankles, and yeah. like sometimes I carry fluid a lot in my stomach, and it's and it's difficult to exercise. I wish I could do more, but um, but yeah. So I just encouraging them with like you said, fitness and faith sharing. I might share a text or scripture and kind of show how that applies to life, and you know, encourage people to share their faith. And and there's even times when I do uh, Facebook Live, like in my community when I'm at the corner store. So I say this: one of the greatest mission fields in the urban context is the liquor store you want you want to make disciples you want to reach people with the gospel hang out in front of like a a, you know a a grocery store we call them like liquor stores in the community because so many people is there hurting and they they want hope sometimes i you know we'll sit down we'll put like a um, milk cart sit down sit out there for a couple hours pray with people share the gospel um you know just give people resources sometimes you know um people have so many questions, bro. Like, yeah. And a lot of times people say, man, like, the church don't come out here. Even the churches in those communities sometimes, they're like, they're not out here.
1: Yeah. So yeah. so your challenge maybe for the church or for, for anyone really is to kind of hug your block or hug, hug yeah. a block, you yeah, know, kind amen. of maybe like uh, you could um, kind of say, okay, this is the area I'm going to go and just kind of reach people and just talk to people where they're at, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I say that again, let me say this. Everyone doesn't have to come to South Columbus. Whatever context you and in, you could be in, in Harris County, Waverly Hall, Georgia. You could be Hamilton. Whatever you at, that's your block. If you live in the, the sticks, you know what I'm saying? Like, talk to your neighbors. Because people, man, people, I go back to that man again, 65 years old. According to the world standard, bro, he's, he's on the top of the world. You look at me, the flip side, according to the world standard, I'm nobody. But I graduated special ed diploma. You know what I'm saying? All my life, Carver High School, a little bit of Eddie middle school. It's like, man, like, but from God's perspective, and no shade to him, but we even talked about it, It's like, he even mentioned, he said, according to the world, he has everything, but has nothing because he's spiritually poor. And me have everything, don't really have nothing, you know, minority, Living in South Columbus, you know, um, but have everything, have joy. He's, he, he's looking for, for this eternal joy. Yeah. That's crazy,
1: right? You get the riches in heaven, and, and you got a great beard as well. <laughs> people, <laughs> Thank you, bro. People can't see that on, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the podcast. Yeah. Um, well, tell us about where people can find your book. I mean, is it available? Where can people purchase it or Yeah, or so they could
0: get it on Amazon. It's digital. You can buy it, get the digital copy for your Kindle. Or you could um you could get it the uh, the physical copy on Amazon is Baron Elias Clave Good Morning Joy, or I have if you in the city or surrounding the areas I have copies on me you could get it ten bucks you know what I'm saying so you could get that
1: we'll find you at the corner store right find yeah. me at the
0: corner store, yeah, you for real like I be doing yeah I be doing my <laughs> live sometimes I call it the pop up shop okay I'll be out there and uh yeah do that.
1: Yeah, well, we'll definitely be uh, praying for you and for continued healing for your, your heart condition Appreciate and, and uh, ventricle stuff, and, and also for, for you and your family, your uh, three daughters um you've got what one or two teenagers one. i got one teenager okay
0: and my uh, my well, 12 she'll be 13 uh, this year okay. next year next year well, yeah.
1: you definitely need prayer for that to, oh, yeah. uh, get, get a big bat to keep the boys <laughs> away you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> amen bro amen so uh, well i usually um I, one of the things i do uh every podcast is I, I try to close in prayer so i'd love for you to close us out in prayer from our conversation Yeah,
0: definitely let's pray right. um, father i thank you so so much i thank you for my dear brother i thank you for his heart for Jesus. I thank you for his heart as I even put in the book a sign for him is that I thank you for his many years of serving the city with the news but ultimately serving our city with the good news of Jesus and I thank you for him. I thank you for his precious wife and his kids and I pray that this podcast will continue to grow and and flourish and encourage the saints to grow in Christ and even grow in fitness um, that we would eat better to your glory your word tells us that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do that we do it to your glory help us not to be a slave to food and slave to um just the ways of the world and i thank you i pray that this conversation was edifying lord if there's anything that i said um that wasn't honoring to you lord forgive me um thank you for this opportunity to to talk about you and what you're doing in my life in uh, Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well,
1: I appreciate uh, your your boldness, Elias, and and going out there and doing the Lord's work, you know, despite, like you said, all the things you've been through, yeah. you know, mentally and, and physically. It's like you said, it's people you have no excuse. You know, get mm-hmm. your get your off the couch and do something, right? Amen. amen. All right, cool. All right, thanks very much. Thank you, brother. And you can just hear it in his voice, the passion he has for not only God, but for people and for people that are suffering. As somebody that has half a heart, uh, he uses um, you know his his suffering, the things that he's going through to kind of relate to folks on on any kind of level where they're at. Uh, I saw that he posted recently on Facebook. He's very active on social media. He, he said this, quote, Grace is not a license to sin, but empowerment to live holy and obedient to God grace is undeserved and unearned. Stop trying to work it. So you can't earn grace. You don't deserve it. And uh, God gives that to you, and uh, He has mercy on us as well. Great to, to talk to Elias Clay, and uh, again, you can go find his book "Good Morning Joy" on Amazon and all kinds of different places. And uh, so now we're going to turn to our final segments of this Run the Race podcast. Which again, we'd love for you to subscribe and write a review and and uh, tell us more about it. And we're going to have some great guests in the coming weeks and months, and continue this uh, party talking about fitness and faith. But now turning to our uh, final segments and including food for thought, uh, which deals with a little bit of uh, evangelism and exercise. We're starting with a little bit of a fitness and how it relates to your faith. American Anglican Council has an article called How Exercising and Evangelism Are Similar. You know, when it comes to exercise, it does make us all feel better and live longer. And, uh, you know, maybe many may describe that uh, the physical problems we have, medical problems, are a consequence of failing to exercise. So, why don't we do it? Why do we put it off or avoid it? There's a lot of convenient uh, excuses. Well, if you are committed to doing something, you will do it. That's committed. You will overcome excuses. You will do it. Problems become obstacles to overcome rather than reasons to quit when you're committed. Uh, if it's really just only a good idea, then you may or may not do it. You know. Uh, and uh, this author here uh, for this article, Mark Eldridge, he asked his friend about cycling. And, and uh, now he's writing all the time. And because he says, commitment eats excuses for breakfast. Let me repeat that again. Commitment eats eats excuses for breakfast and uh, evangelism he says is very similar for so many christians evangelism may be just eh, it's a good idea we know evangelism will lead to others going to heaven instead of hell that's a great thing Evangelism helps the church grow. It leads to more people obeying Jesus, which makes the world better. We need peace in our world. We, there's so much hatred and so much uh, volatility going on right now. So why don't we go out and evangelize? Why do we avoid it and put it off? Well, we got to be committed to it. and uh, You'll do it even if you're scared or embarrassed or uh, don't have the knowledge or too resistant or... Maybe you think you're uh, too close, too far, too poor, too rich, you know, whatever it is. So you need to be committed to it. In order to be committed to it, these are the three steps they list. Consider Jesus' commitment to us on the cross. Pray a prayer of commitment and make a list. Write down, you know, three to five people that you know who don't have a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Pray for them, build a relationship with them, and look for opportunities to share with them when they come up, and then on uh, kind of the faith side of things as well, and the mission field, uh, this is an article from Christianity Today called "The Next Mission Field Is a Game." Um, well, the coronavirus pandemic has really paused a lot of in-person outreach, and so there was a ministry that came up with an alternative. These soccer coaches began playing video games on live streaming platforms it was called Twitch. They invited players to watch, and then they they talked about spiritual things on there. So the participants would talk to each other and play and chat back and forth. Uh, Normally, the soccer players might spend 15 minutes talking about spiritual matters. Well, they were willing to engage on that level for about three to four hours while they were playing video games online. So the ministry has opened its own Twitch channel to the public and uh, different gaming platforms, more soccer coaches taking part. And, of course, uh, from Houston to Brazil and South Africa, even China, eSports has emerged as an extension of Christian sports ministry. It affects, uh, you know, eSports is really something that hundreds of millions of people take part in. And our parting gift has some inspiration for you and uh, deals with uh, some danger or uh, safety because uh, evangelism can be dangerous, being a, a missionary, urban or overseas or whatever, uh can uh have a an element of uh you know, uh, where you're going out on a limb, uh, you're taking a risk. Well, uh, if you're familiar with the movie *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*, uh, based on uh, the, the *Chronicles of Narnia*, the books uh, by author C.S. Lewis. Well, um, in that that first book or that that first part of the series, Mister Beaver, one of the main characters, you may have seen the movie or read the book. Mister Beaver tells Susan that Aslan, ruler of Narnia, is a great lion. She's surprised because she thought maybe is this? I thought this was a man but she's also nervous asking if Aslan, which really represents God, Jesus, asking if Aslan was safe. Well, here's the quote. The parting gift for you today. Mr. Beaver replies, quote, "Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he is not safe, but he's good. He's the king." So sometimes, you know, uh it's not about playing it safe. Uh but uh, we know no matter what when we face dangers and obstacles, uh when things don't seem safe when we uh do things that uh, maybe god wants us to do that we think uh this is really going to hurt uh, i'm not sure if i can do this i'm not sure if i'm good enough you know i just know that god is good he's the king and he will lead the way. Uh, thanks again for joining us for the Run the Race podcast. Thanks again for Elias Claif for sitting down with me recently. And uh, we have a great guest next week as well, a fellow podcaster friend of mine. He's had a million listens to his podcast focused on running. I'm also running across the world with him. We'll talk about that uh, coming up next week on the Run the Race podcast. Hope you and yours have a wonderful rest of this week.